It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Saturday, May 8th, 2021. On this day in 2013, an Arizona court found Jody Arias guilty of murdering her ex-boyfriend, Travis Alexander. The verdict ended a sensational case that captured the nation's attention for five years. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of Travis Alexander's murder, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions and discussions of murder and sexual abuse that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the day Jody Arias was found guilty of killing her ex-boyfriend. Let's go back to Arizona's Maricopa County on May 8, 2013. Reporters swarmed Jody Arias on her morning walk to the courtroom. Spectators were lined up outside, eager to get a coveted spot in the gallery. Every major news station and paper were covering 33-year-old Jody and her story of sex, violence, and deception. The sordid affair began on June 9, 2008, when a few buddies of Jody's ex, Travis Alexander, grew concerned for their friend. Travis had been unreachable for a few days, so his buddies headed to his house in Mesa, Arizona. Travis's roommates helped get into his bedroom, where they discovered something horrible. Travis laying dead in the shower. Almost 30 stab wounds covered his chest and back. Although a 25 caliber round was fired into his face, the likely cause of death was the bone-deep gash across his throat. One of the friends contacted 911. An operator asked if anyone wanted to hurt Travis, and the friend answered yes, his ex-girlfriend, Jody Arias. As police collected stories about Jody, she expressed shock over news of the murder. She opened a MySpace page in Travis's memory, writing that they would one day be reunited. Her friends noticed nothing unusual about her behavior. She seemed as bewildered and grief-stricken as the rest of them. She swore she was nowhere near Travis's house on June 4th, the estimated day of his murder. But police discovered Travis's digital camera in a fresh load of laundry at his house. The memory card was damaged, but technicians were able to retrieve data, including several deleted photos that told a very different story. The photos were all timestamped for the day in question. In one, Jody laid nude on Travis's bed. In another, taken around 5.30, about the time of the murder, Travis posed in the shower, staring into the lens. 
Though the last photo was murky, it unmistakably showed Travis bleeding on the floor. These files, along with a bloody handprint containing Jody's DNA, were enough evidence to arrest her on July 15th. Jody still denied she was in the house on the day of the murder and claimed that the woman in the pictures wasn't her. But after spending the night in jail, Jody changed her story. She admitted she snuck into Travis's house the day he died. They enjoyed a sex-filled morning and afternoon before she asked him to pose in the shower. Just then, according to Jody, the bathroom door busted inward. As Jody told it, two masked individuals rushed inside. The man waved a gun while the woman held a knife at Jody's throat. They said they would kill her and her family if she ever told anyone about what happened. Then Jody ran and never looked back. Jody repeated this story to Inside Edition on September 24, 2008. She told audiences that no jury would convict her because she was innocent. But around August 2010, two years after her arrest, she changed her story again. While awaiting her trial date, she began framing herself as a survivor of physical and sexual abuse at Travis's hands. Although she previously called Travis a loving man, Jody now described him as a violent sexual deviant. He flew into psychopathic rages, beating her and sexually objectifying her. And if that wasn't bad enough, Jody said Travis was a secret pedophile who she dutifully tried to help through sex. She then completely rejiggered the day of the murder. Jody said she dropped the camera after taking the shower pictures and Travis went berserk. She grabbed a gun in the apartment, aimed it at Travis's chest as he charged like a linebacker, and then her memories went blank. By the start of her trial on January 2nd, 2013, Jody had transformed herself into a battered survivor. She cried openly in public, praying to God to forgive the soul of this man who hurt her. However, the unfolding case told a very different story. Travis's abuse only existed in Jody's testimony. His friends and former girlfriends testified that Travis wasn't a manipulative abuser, Jody was. In her testimony, psychologist Dr. Janine DeMarty reported Jody as suffering from behavioral symptoms that resembled borderline personality disorder. As covered in the trial, Jody had a history of misplaced anger, paranoia, emotional immaturity, and fear of abandonment. The general opinion was that Jody was unwell, but fully capable of plotting to kill Travis. The jury agreed and found her guilty of first-degree murder on May 8, 2013. The conviction stunned Jody. She gave a short interview afterward to a camera crew, saying she preferred death over life in jail. But it wouldn't be long before she changed that story as well. Up next, we'll examine Jody Arias's psyche. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. 
Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast and premieres Monday, May 3rd. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now back to the story. On May 10th, 2013, Jody Arias was found guilty of murdering her ex-boyfriend, Travis Alexander. First, she claimed to be nowhere near the crime scene during the murder, but as evidence mounted against her, she changed her story. When she claimed to be a victim to Travis's sexual abuse, no one believed her. From the start of her fatal relationship with Travis, there were early warning signs for her pathological lies and her unstable mind. Travis's friends immediately got bad vibes over the new girlfriend he met in Las Vegas in 2006. Jody was possessive and manipulative. A friend half-joked that she expected to find Travis chopped up in Jody's freezer one day. Travis eventually ended their relationship in June 2007, but they continued a physical relationship. Then Jody moved from California to Mesa, Arizona to be closer to Travis. When Travis started dating a girl named Mimi Hall, someone slashed his tires and left threatening emails. Although he could never prove it, Travis knew it was Jody. When Jody moved back to California in April 2008, Travis thought he was finally free. But two months later, Jody planned a road trip back to Arizona. She met Travis for sex on June 4th and then brutally murdered him. The very next day, Jody met up with another man she was dating, Ryan Burns. When she left his house that night, Ryan noticed nothing strange with Jody's behavior. If she was in emotional distress, she didn't show it. The only change Ryan noticed was that Jody went from blonde to brunette. From the moment of her arrest, Jody seemed more concerned with her public image than the result of her trial. When she was arrested on July 15th, she asked for her purse to make herself up for her booking. Following an intensive two-day interrogation, Jody posed for her mugshot like it was a school photo, cocking her head and smiling for the camera. Afterward, when she was finally able to call her mother, Jody's first question was what came up when she Googled her name? When Jody spoke to Inside Edition, she revealed her obsession with presentation. Despite the stress of going through a murder trial, Jody strolled on set greeting everyone with a smile. When a producer offered her waterproof eyelash extensions, she cheerfully remarked this was perfect in case she planned on crying. Jody was in her element. She loved the attention, the cameras, the news anchors, her name in the papers. With her youth and beauty, coupled with her eerie composure, Jody was a media darling. But the glitz and glamour didn't hold up in court. The jury convicted her of first-degree murder, then debated whether Jody should get the death sentence. By then, Jody had changed her mind about wanting to die. She claimed to reevaluate all the good she could contribute from her prison cell. She planned to donate her hair, start a book club, 
and sell shirts that read Survivor for charity. And though the jury decided to allow Jody to live, she still struggled to reestablish the fame she captured before her sentencing. She remains in Perryville Prison in Arizona, but this time out of the spotlight. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this one, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.